0: Welcome to the Know Your Ancestors podcast. I am sitting here with Brittany McLeod, our very first guest, and we are so excited to share with her what we have found about her family tree. Jen Schaefer from the Formidable Genealogist is the genealogist that worked on Brittany's case, and we're so grateful for her and for her work with that. Then I was able to compile uh, the information from her and present it to Brittany today. It was actually really exciting to dive into her tree and find some really, really cool, cool things that I think you will enjoy hearing about. But first, before we get started with that, I just wanted to talk to Brittany about who she is. Introduce yourself to the audience, a little bit about you, your family, what your work is, and we'll go from there. Yay.
1: I'm excited.
0: Thank (laughs) you
1: for having me. I feel honored that I'm the first guest, but yeah, my name is Brittany McLeod and I am a social media coach and content creator. So I help other women kind of in, in the coaching space, launch their businesses and helping them get started with like, you know, where do you begin? Like it's so overwhelming. And, and a lot of it too, is it helping them kind of overcome fears and, and all the things that come with that. Right. Because obviously there's lots of strategy and different things that we can learn about social media. But then it, when, it, when you boil it all down, it's like, ah, I don't actually feel good enough to do this. Yes. So <laughs> that is what my coaching work does. And then for content creation, I do like photography and actually work with businesses to help them, I guess, create content like in three days oh, <laughs> wow. in, one, in one sitting basically. So kind of like two, two separate things that are you know, a little bit intertwined. What else about me? I am from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and my family, I have I I have two other siblings that are younger. So I'm the oldest of three. My mom and dad are like, how how much information do you how want? Do <laughs> you want <laughs>
0: Well, first, I want to stop about your work. like yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. myself as like a, I guess I call myself a content creator. Like I think uh-huh. a lot of people that aren't in that space, it's hard to even understand how much work that is and how much of a mindset that is. like so yeah, for your coaching to include that aspect of it, I think that that's a huge thing because like creating the stuff, sure, you can follow the steps and do whatever. but, There's a whole other part of it that people need help with, so I think that's great.
1: Yeah, I also have a podcast. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yes, and what's that called? It's called On the Edge. So me and my best friend Jackie do that together. Yeah, and it's it's new. We just literally launched it like within the last year, but it's been so much fun, and we're still navigating like what it all looks like, and you know. But it's been it's been really fun.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, so your family. You said you have three kids. I have three kids, yes. I Are am also living? the oldest of, of three. I have
1: two other siblings as well. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. So growing up in your family, like did you get together with cousins or grandparents very often? Or what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So on my mom's side, I was pretty close with my grandmother, my my mom's mom. I would say all of my grandparents actually had a close relationship with them, but I lost my grandmother when I was eight. And then my grandfather on, well, both of my grandfathers passed away as well. So I have one grandparent left, but yeah, we were close with grandparents growing up cousins. I don't have a ton of cousins. (laughs) I have a few cousins on my dad's side, but we actually, we weren't super close growing up because of some family Mm -hmm. like divorce and, and kind of how that changes the dynamic of how you get together and do life. So I wasn't super close with my first cousins Mm -hmm. It's on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, it's really funny. My mom has two sisters and I am actually closer in age with them than my mom is. My mom had me when she was 18 and Mm -hmm. these are her technically her half sisters. So she kind of like raised them as well. And then (laughs) we grew up next door to them. So I always felt like they were my sisters slash mm-hmm. cousins. Oh, but they're funny. Cousins my aunts. Yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't, they had kids. So now they have kids, but they're like my kids age. Oh, so funny. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause I like, you're my niece and my nephew, but you're not, you're actually my first cousin. That is. Right. Same age, or like four months (laughs) older than my two-year-old, right? Oh, funny. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Whenever I tell people, like, "Oh, yeah, my aunt is coming over," they expect like a sixty-year-old woman, but I'm like, "No, we're only we're we're friends."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, funny. So your dad's family, you don't didn't weren't as close with. Did you know much about about them, about their past great grandparents or anything?
1: With my dad's family, not. To be completely honest, I feel like I knew nothing about my family history. <laughs> like oh I, God. when you reached out to me, I went down my own like little rabbit hole and found, uh-huh. some, discovered some things. And I actually like messaged my dad. Did you know I have a great, great uncle who's like buried in Italy and like fought in the war? And he's like, oh yeah, like I have his, I have all his war medals. And I'm like, right. I remember seeing those growing up like in my grandparents' house, but just right. never connecting the dots and like I guess unless you ask these questions it's not like I mean I don't sit my kids down and, and you know try to actively tell them about these right. things right so I think it's just not something that I guess comes naturally like unless mm-hmm. you engage in those conversations and so that was really interesting I'm like wait you knew about this and you didn't tell me <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> right. I there. so yeah just to be completely honest I'm like I really don't oh, know
0: that much so okay well, we've got some fun stuff and actually I found that about him too. So I have that too. Okay. so cool. have a little refresher about him. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just dive in and, okay. and I'll share with you what we've got. Okay. So some of this, you might already know. I don't know if you've seen these pictures. So this is your great grandparents. Mm. So your yeah. great grandfather, John Lutie and Marie Coakley. So you have very deep roots in Cape Breton and I love it that you still live there. Like you still yeah. live there oh. and your ancestor, like all of your family was from there. It seems like. Mm. Um. So he, here, let me just close this. He looks
1: so much like my grandfather. It's like, does uh, he? Oh yeah.
0: Literally, like identical. That's cool. So he was a coal miner, lived in new Waterford. His, his parents were Mark Lutie. And Sarah Roach, Mark Luty was born in Camp which is I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> which is like on the opposite side of Cape Breton, right? Yeah, yeah. When they were married, he was a coal miner. That's what he listed as his occupation, and his wife Marie was listed as a domestic servant. They're both Catholic and living in New Waterford at the time of their marriage, and Marie's father was also a minor so I kind of had this, okay. a similar similar growing up I'm guessing with their parents both having the same occupation. So then here is your great great grandfather mark Lutie. and I feel like this is a poorly colorized photo of Sarah Roach. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no original yeah, I think the original picture would look better than that. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the video, the the pictures here as we go along. But so Mark was born in Chettecamp. His I mean he is French, so it's actually Marce, Marceline. I don't even know. You probably uh, can speak French. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs>
1: but when I looked at, when I looked this up, that's what it came right,
0: up. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he was born there on the other side of Cape Breton. So I, I started to wonder, you know, what brought them to new Waterford? Like, why did they
1: yeah. come across
0: the Island and where did they meet? Like how she was born in Isle Madam in Nova yeah, Scotia. Yeah. So I found them in the 1901 census. I actually found Sarah Roach. I don't know if you can, this is a really, really bad quality, but she is listed here right by that arrow is Sarah. I don't know if you can make that out. And then Roach is their last name here. And actually right next door, if you can see that, that's Ludi, spelled with E-E at the end. So your maiden yeah. name is Ludi, L-E-U-D-Y. And you'll see that the, the spelling of that kind of changed over the years. Yeah. So Ludi, E-E at the end. And this is Marceline. This is actually... Your great grandfather, great great grandfather's uncle, he had the same name, and his mother Marguerite, who's here at eighty years old. So this is your, let's see, great 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 grandmother. So your, she was living with her son Mark in French, which was the uncle of your Mark. If that makes sense. Okay. So they were right next door to the Roach family. So that might have been how they met. Maybe he was visiting wow. his grandmother, his uncle. They're living next door. I mean, they were they were also in Sheddic Camp, which isn't very big, so I'm sure they knew otherwise, but they lived close by. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so then I believe that in so in 1907, the Dominion Coal Company started operating in New Waterford. Uh, That drew in lots of workers from across the island and Irish and Scottish Catholic people came there. And I think that's likely when Mark Lutie came to the area. Then him and Sarah were married the year after in 1908 in Reserve Mines, which is nearby. I'm sure you know where that is. Yeah, And this was likely the church that they were married in, in 1908. So this is a church in that area that was built in 1895. So that's likely where they were married. Same. So they settled in New Waterford where he was a coal miner by trade. And sorry wait, this is Mark. This is Mark and Sarah. Yeah, so this is your great great, great. grandparents. And John was as well. He was a coal oh. miner. Yes. Yeah, in this And same so was grandpa. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, was he? Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So they were all coal miners yeah yeah so the the area i looked into like coal mining there which i'm sure you're familiar with that it was that was like the largest kind of occupation that was there in the area and then they're all closed down now right yeah all the coal mines that is wild
1: i'm like maybe my dad knew this but like i didn't know (laughs) that there were three of right
0: of coal miners wow Yeah, so in 1917 there was like the largest explosion of and and fatalities of coal miners in New Waterford. I think they even have like a monument there to commemorate this. So that was in 1917. So he might your your great-great-grandfather Mark, he might have been there at the time. We don't know if he was working if he's in that exact coal mine, but 65 Coal miners lost their lives. There was 270 miners working at the time. Just methane gas and coal dust that accumulated in the shaft, due to poor ventilation, Mm. ignited and resulted in this large explosion. So this is a photo actually from that day, and he might be in there. I don't know. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. So then I also found. So this is the, the private Anthony Lutie, who you're mm-hmm. talking about. He was Mark's brother. Oh no, this was Mark's son. That's right. So yeah. Mark and Sarah, they had at least seven children. at least that I could find your great-grandfather, John Lutie, was likely the oldest. And then his younger brother, possibly the youngest in the family, was killed in battle in World War II. And he was part of the Cape Breton Highlanders and died in action in Italy. So this is just an article that's actually on the the Government of Canada's website. They have like a little monument thing about him. Uh, This was printed in the newspaper, just an article about him that says, another of New Waterford's young soldiers has made the supreme sacrifice on a battlefront overseas, according to word received yesterday. So I'm sure that was a hard thing for for one your great-grandfather, to lose his, his younger brother and yeah. for your great, great grandparents to lose a son yeah. over in war. And the name changed again. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: E-D-Y. Yes. Yeah. So then I found this photo, which is actually the Cape Breton Highlanders in Italy, just in one of their, one of their operations there, the year prior in May, 1944. So he died in January of 1945, just, just as the war was finishing up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of your great, great, great grandparents, great grandparents, a little about them starting coal mining and all of that. What is, what do, what do you think about what life might've been like them as coal miners, as that, that way of life? How does, what what do you think about that? It.
1: It sounds and looks like super gritty.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like that. Yeah. And and not knowing that, like not knowing that there were three generations of that, I feel like it actually explains a lot about who I am. Like, obviously I'm not a coal miner, mm-hmm. but actually it's funny that I use that word because I have been described, that word has been used to describe me before. like miner. From- no no gritty gritty, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> gritty yes um, yeah and it and I think there's like there's some good and bad that comes with that you know mm-hmm. there's the yes, gritty can be a really good thing, but there's also a striving that can come with that mm-hmm. and I've definitely experienced that in you know being in business for as long as I've been in business there's there's always been that that part of me that is, you know, I love to work hard and that mm-hmm. obviously is probably in my DNA, but um yeah, there's just there's some I think belief systems around that that maybe mm-hmm. that I'm working through now actually like as we mm-hmm. speak that I'm I'm trying to push through and and you know, the belief that you know, in order to succeed, like you have to work hard and mm-hmm. that is true to a certain extent, but there's also another set of beliefs that I have that don't fully align with that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a difference between working hard and, you know, w- working to the bone or, you know, pushing mm-hmm. yourself and not having any balance. So that's something that I've had to work through, you know, at becoming a mom, having a business, all of that, you know, wrestling the, the balance as I guess we w- all moms in business or working moms would have to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, for me, seeing that it feels like it makes
0: sense like that
1: mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people come from that background, like it feels like there wasn't another option then. Yeah, like, they had to work to put food on the table. Like there wasn't Yeah, there was not social media or or something easy like that <laughs> to bring in some sort of income, right? Like they yeah. and I think it is hard to escape that mentality of you just got to put your head down, work hard even if you hate it.
1: Yeah yeah, totally. yeah. and I think yeah. i I think for me, and I, I would say actually, my dad, because my dad's not a coal, he wasn't a coal miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my dad, like I mentioned, my parents had me when they were pretty young. My parents are still together today. And my dad ended up going back to school to become a nurse. Uh, and he was like in his twenties, like, and I, and at the time I remember I was just a kid, but he actually had to go back to the high school that he didn't graduate from. So he had, mm-hmm. because they didn't have night classes back then. So I remember right. my dad starting over and, and I just, and I didn't know this at the time, but later found out like, you know, his family, they probably thought like, what is it? What are you doing? Like <laughs> nobody went to school. Like right. every, I guess they were all coal miners or they did labor like that. So it was mm-hmm. very uh, you know, outside the box and not something that I think people thought that he could do. Mm-hmm. And then obviously <laughs> my story is that I actually didn't go to school. <laughs> I'm dropping out of school and I'm in, I'm on the internet and mm-hmm. I make a living from Instagram and social media and it's something totally different. So I think it's really mm-hmm. interesting to see that lineage and where it kind of like broke off at my dad, like right. it's
0: kind of wild. And so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we might see some of that, uh, that spirit of change the further back we go on your tree. We'll be right back after hearing about one of our sponsors. Story.com is a new online platform that is completely changing the way you do family history. On Storied, you can build a family tree and find records, but the main difference is the stories. That's really the point of learning about our ancestors, right? To find and write the stories. Storied allows you to easily write your own stories or the stories of your family and ancestors or your friends with pictures in an easy to access feed. You can invite who you want to view your stories in your own private group. It's a lot of fun and a really cool way to get the stories accessible to those who want to know them. At Storied, you can add people to your family tree that are associates or friends. We all have those people in our life that we aren't related to, but they feel like family. With Storied, you can tag and add these people to your tree and to the stories you share. So go to story.com and give it a try for free and you can get 10% off your first subscription by using the code Megan10. And now we're back. All right. Well, I'm going to show you this. So this is just to show you what we have so far. We have, so we have Mark Ludi, right? Yeah. Okay. So your second great grandfather was Mark Lutie, born in Chetecamp in 1885. And his father was John Lutie also born in Chedicamp in 1854. His father was Oliver or Olivier Ludi, born in Chedicamp also. And then his father, here's where our missing link comes, <laughs> Louis Marie. Now, I'm not sure how you actually would, would have said this in French, but we'll call it Ludi, but he spelled it L-E-H-U-E-D-E. Now he was born in 1817 but where where was he born? He mm-hmm. he died in Cheta camp that's where he ended up but that is kind of our big question of where did he come from now where I mean yeah. based on his name where do you think yeah. he came from?
1: I I don't I, I'm like France I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. Okay, I was like is it, this a, a real question? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but how he got to Cape Breton is quite an interesting story. Okay, okay so at this time in um just wait. I just see that I have his birth wrong. That's his son. <laughs> like he did oh, not he was not born in 1917. Right. He yeah, was born in 17, 1785. Okay. Yeah. So he okay. Louis Marie ludy he was born in 1785. In the early 1800s that was the napoleonic wars so france was fighting with with england and they were you know had these huge warships so they'd be fighting in or whatever so he came across this kind of a tall tale we weren't sure the genealogist that worked on your on your family she wasn't sure if it was if it had any merit to it but the story was that Louis was on like a prisoner ship coming up from the Caribbean that was somewhere off the off the coast of Cape Breton or maybe a docked at Cape Breton and that he escaped that he he left the ship and and came to Shediac camp so we weren't totally sure if that was right. You know, who knows? People like to kind of, you know, make their past seem more exciting than it is. But, <laughs> but we actually found that there is some merit to that story. So we found it would have been one of your cousins, Barbara LeBlanc. She has done a ton of research on this Louis Ludi, uh, about him and his his origins and kind of what his life was like in his, his, has brought his ancestry all the way back to 1619. Wow. So what we know for sure is that he was a French sailor. We don't know if he was a prisoner or not for sure, but on a ship, he, I'll just read what it says from this history book of Camp. It says a number of French sailors sought nothing more than to flee the inhumane conditions they suffered on the warships and other boats. Thus it was that in 1806, five French sailors, Servant and Nazar Lafort, and their brother Francois, as well as Louise Ludi and Pierre Chapladon, had deserted a frigate and sought refuge on our coasts. They left the boat in Cape North and walked from there to Cheticamp. No doubt fearful of bringing more trouble onto themselves, the residents of Chattacamp opposed the settlement among them of these five sailors. These refugees understood the situation and went to the Magdalen Islands. Later, François Lafort, Louis Ludi, and Pierre Chaplodon returned to Chattacamp and became the ancestors of all those in Chattacamp who carry their names. Wow. So what do you think about that? That's wild. I like
1: so yeah I'm like I don't even know what to say that's crazy that's that's what
0: I that's what I was thinking like that uh, that desire to kind of change your circumstance that maybe your father was I mean it took a few generations for that to be reignited I guess but that's there like Louis he's like I don't like this being on the ship I'm out of (laughs) here yeah, Canada doesn't seem so bad. Right. Wow.
1: That's crazy. It's funny that you said at the beginning of this, you're like, and you're still in Cape Breton. We actually like weren't in Cape Breton and oh, we really? are here, but we're like here temporarily <laughs> because we're, we're like trying to leave, but we don't know oh, exactly. Really? Yeah. We were in the, <laughs> we were in South Carolina for like 10 months and had you know started the process of visa application and then kind of just decided to step away and felt mm-hmm. like we were supposed to come home and but we're you know in the process of like revisiting that and not really sure like you know our circumstances right now are a little bit up in the air but mm-hmm. um yeah there's a desire for us to be somewhere else and we love mm-hmm. Cape Breton but we don't know if this is where we're where we want to be for the entire year mostly because I don't love winter but I understand you know. that <laughs> So I find that interesting because I do feel even being home right now, you know, there's things that you have to wrestle through when you leave, when you come back, when you're Mm -hmm. from a small town and there's, you know, lots of, we all have lots of limiting beliefs, but one of them that I've had to work through is like, you're supposed to, like, you always come home. Like Mm -hmm. you always go back to where you came from or like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, yeah, it's just at some point you have to settle down and like move home. And Mm -hmm. That's actually not true, you know. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. much as I love having family around my kids, it's like I actually want something more. I want mm-hmm. I I believe that you can have more than one thing. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of the life that we're trying to build for our family right now. Right. Is you know, living somewhere else most like for half of the year and then maybe being home for a few months of the year. And, mm-hmm. and that's been, I guess, mentally and also in the physical realm, a hard thing to
0: accomplish. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that... yeah, So maybe you can channel some of that energy from <laughs> from Louis, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. and embark on some adventure, right? Yeah. So so Louis, when he was in Chateau Camp, he met Angelique Godet, and they married. She was only eighteen. He was twenty-seven. They married in August of eighteen thirteen, and actually, on their marriage document. Louis signed his name. So he was able to read and write, which was not a common thing at the time. Okay. So he must've been educated. Hmm. And then according to baptismal certificates in the parish, he and Angelique had seven children, four boys and two girls who survived and one child who died at childbirth. And then only two boys reached adulthood. So as a result there's only a small number of descendants who actually carry the Ludi name. So There's only two of his sons that survived. So, we know that he was from France, but we were actually able to find out where he was born in France. And this woman, Barbara Leblanc, who she wrote a whole article about him that we got a lot of our information from, but she like went back to France and like talked to other Ludies that still live there in the in the neighborhood like she says there's Ludies all over the place there. And I was able to talk to them, find about, you know, what their occupations were, what things were like for them there. They actually found some documents about Louis Ludi. They found that he was born in, Le, I don't know how to say this, La <laughs> Poulien-Batsurmer in Brittany, France. Okay. So it's like in the north, northwest of France. Okay. On this document, it said how tall he was. He was about five foot five and he had auburn hair and eyelashes. So I guess auburn eyelashes also. So let me just. I didn't know there was a Brittany France. <laughs> there is. Oh, yes. I didn't even clue in. Your name is Brittany. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Brittany France is up. I'm not sure exactly where the border is, but it's in this region here. So Paris is right here. And then he was born along the coast over right on the west, western coast by, by Nantes, all these French words that will take me back to junior high. But (laughs) yeah, so he was born there and we zoom in a little bit. So he was born in this area here, Lepulian, which is part of Batsurmer right along here. So this is like really coastal. Yeah. And Probably a really cool area to visit because it, it's very old. Yeah. So this is actually the church where he was baptized in 18 in 1785. So this is the church in Batsermer. It was built in the 14th century. It's called Saint Guinole And you can see all these, all these, you know, cobblestone. Or or stone houses and everything is all kind of nestled in there. And this is inside the church. So he was, he was baptized there and his parents were also married there the year before in 1784. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: pretty cool. It looks like I should probably go.
0: (laughs) You should. (laughs) Yeah. You should. So this is from that woman, Barbara LeBlanc. This is what she's been able to find about your heritage. So Olivia L- Louis D, I like, yeah, I <laughs> was born in 1817 in Camp. That's your, let's go back here if I can remember. He's your fourth great-grandfather. Okay. And then we go to Louis, his father. So your fifth great-grandfather was the one who came from Brittany, France to Chetecamp. And then she was able to go back one, two, three, four, five more generations to Olivia Ludi, who was born in 1619 in the same place. So they, their family was there for a long time in Batzermore or, or Bourges de Bats in mm-hmm. Bretagne, France. So she spoke in her article about um, visiting cousins there, people that have researched the Ludi line a ton, and she would see mailboxes along the street with the Ludi name on it. And so there... How is it spelled? <laughs> well, like this. So the L-E-H-U-E-D-E. Okay. So that's the original spelling. But then it was changed through the years, I'm sure, because people... <laughs> right couldn't, couldn't read it very well and a lot of people a lot of people at that time couldn't read i'm i'm not sure if louis cuz he could i'm not sure if he taught his children how to read and write but sometimes just when they're telling their name to people it gets written down as a different spelling than, than okay originally, right
1: i've always wondered that i'm like <laughs> how many different ways can this name possibly
0: right. well and actually your let's go you're so your, your great-great-grandfather, Mark, his father was John, and he left Chattacamp for a time and went to, well, at some point he left and went to Newfoundland. And I guess that's kind of the time period when it changed from L-E-U-D-E-E to Y. Okay. So I'm not sure if, I don't know, he changed yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. But that was kind of when that changed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So these... Louisides in Brittany France they were all they were all salt miners i think is what it was called salt extractors so they they worked in the salt marshes that were off the coast there and they would extract salt and sell so it that, that was their occupation like so that that farthest back ancestor olivier that was born in 1619 that was his occupation he earned a living wow. getting salt <laughs> so we looked up like this Barbara LeBlanc who researched all of them, looked up what a salt marsh worker even did. Yeah. So they had all these little pools where they, the when the tide came in, it would get there and they'd kind of build up fortresses around it, let it dry out, have the salt there and form it into these little piles of salt that then they would sell. So okay. if you get some, some French salt from <laughs> <laughs> that coast. You can think about your ancestors. That that's how they earned a living. That's how they by getting the salt that they called the it's the whitest to finest salt. It's called fleur de cell. So cool.
1: So,
0: yeah. yeah. So that is what we were able to find. The genealogist that I had on it was she's her website is a formidable genealogist and she was able to do a lot of work and she actually connected with someone who invited her to a Facebook group that was for the Ludi family. That's where she found that story about Louis, you know, escaping the ship and all of that. And and so we're grateful to her for her work for finding more about your family. yeah. So how does that feel now that you know, you know, your your family line goes all the way back to Brittany France, which your name is Brittany. And I didn't even glue uh, into that. Uh, and how does that feel? It,
1: yeah. I'm like, well, wow, it's so much to take in. Like mm-hmm. it's, I just find it so fascinating. I feel like I'm going to have to like sit in it and like yeah, even making those like correlations and connecting it to like who I am today. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure most people, we all ask ourselves who we are, you know, why am I the way that I am? And I was so excited when you reached out because I think that there's so much like valuable information that is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it doesn't seem like it's connected, but it it totally is Mm -hmm. like these limiting beliefs and our mindsets. And, you know, it's like, why do I think this way? And I just think there's like, there's so much treasure in, in knowing mm-hmm. where you come from. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, I think it's interesting too, that Louis like lived on the coast. So mm-hmm. my, my husband, his oldest brother did a lot of family tree research and stuff. And I don't know what, I don't, I haven't dug into to his side mm-hmm. of it, but both my husband and I are like, we cannot live not near the water. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, we did when we were in South Carolina, we were like three hours from the coast, but I'm like three hours too far. Like Mm -hmm. as much as we loved it we loved the people, it was like, I don't actually think we can commit to staying here. Like we Mm -hmm. need to be somewhere coastal. So it's just fascinating that, you know, what was it?
0: 16, 1600, like yeah, 1619. I can't even. And I'm sure from before then even that your family has been living right next to the water. Yeah. On
1: the water. Right. And I and we're both like my husband too, he's like we we just can't do it. And I <laughs> I remember the first time I lived away, I I moved to London, Ontario shortly after we had gotten married and I my husband he's from Cape Breton, but he he ended up his family moved there and he grew up there, so he moved there when he was like 10 or 11, but I had never been before. And I remember just being so excited to like live somewhere else. And then we get there, like hadn't even visited. Like, I think I was there for a few weeks before I realized, like, I know this sounds so dumb, but it was just like, I never ever imagined, like, I never consciously thought about the fact that like, there's tons of people that don't live by the water. There is.
0: And I was like, <laughs> Oh
1: wait, like, I don't, I can't, like, I'm looking at the water right now. <laughs> so oh, it's wow. just, it's a, it's a part of mm-hmm. yeah what I'm used to. And when you don't have it, you're like, oh, dang, like, I can't do this. So that was the first experience. And then I did it again last year and was like, right, we can't, we can't do this. We mm-hmm. like South Carolina, but maybe Charleston. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know?
2: mm-hmm. So, yeah, I
1: don't know. I have, I have so many thoughts, but then at the same time, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I just Mm -hmm. think it's so cool. I think the work that you do is incredible and I'm excited to even like continue to listen to other episodes that you Mm -hmm. do with other people. Like it's just, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I am very grateful for you to, to be here on the episode today and it was a lot of fun to look through your family. There's so much cool things and things that we just didn't have time to share either. So we'll be sending you all of that, that we found. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brittany, for being here on the episode. Where can people connect with you? I know you have an Instagram account yeah. where you share most of your things. What's your Instagram handle?
1: Instagram is just my name with an underscore, so Brittany McLeod underscore, and then our podcast as well, which is called On the Edge. But yeah, that's where I'm. That's awesome. where I'm hanging out.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, Brittany. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I just wanted to thank our genealogist who worked on this case, Jen Schaefer from theformidablegenealogist.com. She did fantastic work, and I am so grateful for her for helping us with our first episode. You can find more information about her work at theformidablegenealogist.com. She also has uh, family tree art that she sells on Etsy that you can find the link on her website as well, and she's currently offering a 30% discount there so go check that out if you need any help with your family history research with your genealogy go and contact Jen and she can help you out now we're going to hear a tip from her Uh, we're going to include a tip from the genealogist in each of our episodes so listen to that and hopefully that can help you with your own research as you start diving into your own family tree
2: hi I'm Jen Schaefer, the formidable genealogist on social media platforms. I wanted to share a tip of mine from working on this project for the Know Your Ancestors podcast. This project was specific to areas of Nova Scotia and Newfoundland that lacked some of the paper records I needed to bridge some generations and link parents and children. Here's my advice. When there's a lack of records to prove the relationships that you need to prove, you need to collaborate with others. I recommend you comb other online trees, and find researchers with the most complete trees for this family who are recently active and even better yet, have recent ties or even still live in the area of the family that you're researching. You need this firsthand knowledge when you don't have the paper trail. Reaching out to the person with the most detailed tree on Ancestry for this family yielded amazing results. He was so helpful and even invited me to a family history Facebook group that he started. Many members of that group were able to confirm relationships with first-hand knowledge. If someone who still lives in that area of Nova Scotia says, why yes, those are my grandparents and I knew Uncle Mark well, that could be the only way to prove that the mark you're researching belongs with those parents.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes every Tuesday. And if you have a minute, can you please go leave a rating and review on iTunes? This is a great way to get more people listening to the podcast and to help us grow. So thanks so much for listening today and we'll see you next time.